0: Welcome to The Aging Project Off Season. I'm Shelley Kraft, your host and fellow ager on the same journey as you. I believe it's important to mix things up in life, and that belief extends to this podcast. So in our very first off-season, expect to hear stories from wonderful people who've caught our attention. We want to share real stories that inspire us and get us thinking about our own Aging Well journey. Thank you so much for listening and being part of the Aging Project community. We're thrilled you have joined us once again. Each year, most of us make a choice about our annual holiday, and if you're anything like me, you often return to the same place, partly out of habit. It's just what we know. But as we get older, is it time for us to mix things up and try something new? Today, we're talking to the founder of Kamalaya, an award-winning wellness retreat in Koh Samui, Thailand. We're talking to Karina to understand more about the wellness retreat experience and her insights into women's wellness. Karina has more than 40 years experience in holistic health and offers so many pearls of wisdom. So please enjoy today's conversation. Karina,
1: thank you so much for joining us at The Aging Project. Thank you so much, Shelley, for inviting me to speak with you today. It's my favorite subject in the world. (laughs) <laughs> I
0: bet it is. <laughs> we would love to hear about your journey. Uh, you growing up in Mexico, then moving to Texas. Obviously, you've had this love of holistic health for a long time. Yes. When, when did it begin for
1: you? I think it began when my mother was diagnosed with cancer and she made huge life changes and was able to successfully overcome, uh, in my childhood, twice, cancer, by making enormous lifestyle changes, everything from becoming plant-based at a time when being vegetarian or plant-based was very fringe and looked down upon in Mexico. And um, she chose to embark on a, a meditation for stress relief and uh, nature, emergence in nature. And she changed her whole life in such a way that she was able to save her her life and in many ways save our lives because if we had lost our mother at a young age, it would have been terrible. So I saw the impact And I was raised in that ambience, in that atmosphere. And so it became a part of my life. And I have to say, when when my aunts and uncles and cousins got together, we were the super healthy kids that everyone commented on. We were glowing. We were fit. We were energetic. And... Pretty well behaved, amazingly. So uh, that you can't was can't have it all. Created, yeah. couldn't have been all of those things. I rebelled later. It came a little later, <laughs> but uh, so it just was something that was a part of my life. And as I went through life, I started noticing that you know I was different. I had a different outlook, and I don't know where the courage just never affected me that it was really frowned upon for a long time. And then all of a sudden, it became trendy, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I found myself sort of feeling like yeah finally everybody can see what the benefits are and that
0: took you into your future studies which was a degree in chinese medicine yes Uh, to be honest i didn't even know that that existed i thought it was some um i guess that magic that's handed down through through generations um but chinese
1: medicine as a degree what what did that entail and, and where did you do that so um, I met a, a Chinese master when I was living in Seattle, Washington, in the USA, and I had graduated from Princeton already with a degree in cultural anthropology, so I was very open-minded to different pathways, different cultures, and probably if I hadn't met this master, his name is Master Ni Hua Qing, um, I, I probably would have continued with probably a degree in medical anthropology, because my, my passion really was in the diversity of traditions of cultures and philosophies. And um, but fortunately, I met him and it turns out he had a huge impact because I could see he was vibrant and vital and sharp. And he was 72. And I thought he was in his 50s. So I was flabbergasted. And I said, what is it about you? Is it your diet? Because, of course, that had been a big part of my growing up. And he said, no, read my books. It's my whole philosophy of life. So I found out he had a school and I moved to um, Los Angeles, Santa Monica specifically, and attended the school that he and his sons founded called Yosan University. And in California, uh, the degree in traditional Chinese medicine is a master's degree. And you basically are considered a first level practitioner, medical practitioner, and you're liable as such. So I got a really, really good training. And um, it was a four-year degree because they had an extra year in my school to really give depth understanding of the herbal aspect of traditional Chinese medicine. And I have to say, when I found traditional Chinese medicine, it was what I had always been looking for. And particularly this school that had the depth and also had the philosophy. It wasn't just technical. A lot of schools are very technical with the acupuncture and the moxa. This was not that. So it changed my life. And I found what I had been looking for really since I was about eight years old when I thought I would be a psychiatrist. See, combining
0: all your loves and all those different uh, educations all into what you do now, which is, of course, being the founder of Kamalaya in Kosamui, which is, as I said in the beginning, that sort of the holy grail of of wellness retreats. Mm -hmm. Um, Something, as you say, must have been 17 years ago when you set it up, something quite... Extraordinary and new. Now we hear about wellness spas and retreats um, all over the world. Yes. Let's start with what drove you to set up your own uh, wellness
1: retreat, and what was it that inspired you to start Kamaliah? Um Passion, literally on many levels. My husband, when we went on our first journey together, and we both can't remember whether it was right before we decided to become engaged or our honeymoon, but on a trip to Mexico where we were going to the Yucatan, which we love, Uh, he said to me, would you like to one day create a place where all of your training in Chinese medicine and yoga and meditation um, can be brought together with all of my training in the Himalayas, where he had lived for 16 years, um, Mm -hmm. partly as a yogi monk, and then later as a layperson, and where we can bring that together and share it with people. And I said, yes. Yes. And that really was the moment where the sperm and the egg united conceptually. And from that point forward, every place we traveled, every experience we had, we would have conversations about what we felt would enrich our vision and what things were extraneous and that we felt we could be the antidote to. So Kamalaia began many, many years before we actually bought the land. And, uh, and it was passion, the desire to share the things in our life that had, had such a meaningful and powerful impact in our becoming and living the lives that we do live. And over that
0: time, has your idea of longevity or what ageing well means to you, has that changed at
1: all or yes. is it still very much the original focus that you had in the beginning? That's a great question. Um, I would say it has grown and deepened uh, through, through the experience of life, through our guests Um, In the beginning, I would say, based on my practice, because I had a clinical practice in Kathmandu, Nepal, of all places, and I was treating the local um, uh, residents and then also the international community. Uh, And I started to see patterns and I started to see that without jumpstarting the metabolism and the body and the organs with some form of detoxification, uh, my work as a doctor of Chinese medicine, it was a lot harder. It went slower. Let's just say it, it took more time. So I, I even then I started putting together eight week programs to rebalance people and then really address deeper problems and issues. So when we started, detoxification was, I would say, the biggest focus. We had other programs, but that was the main focus along with our yoga programs and the most popular program. We're still very, very well known for that. It's not fasting. It's very science-based and Chinese medicine-based detoxification, and then what happened as we opened? We had other programs, but they were light, lighter focus. One was for weight, one was for um, relaxation, but and also we had fitness. But as we started receiving our guests, and I was the wellness director, I noticed that women, women in their late thirties, early forties, um, women in their mid forties and late forties, were coming in for detoxification but they needed something very different. And when I would speak to them, I realized, okay, we're not addressing some things. And that's when the category of stress and burnout um, came into being, of which we now have four programs in, there, in that category. And um, so it has evolved and it has deepened and it has expanded. Later, we, uh, for example, our fitness category has expanded tremendously because now we have, we address the structure with a program specifically for that, not just fitness. And our mentors, which are, um, you can say, really masters on understanding the science of the mind, not psychologists, because that would take more time, but more from the Buddhist and Hindu esoteric traditions, philosophies, understanding meditation, understanding our habits and how that impacts our life. And so we have our Embracing Change program. So we've really broadened and deepened our offerings, having been open for 17 years now. And we also respond to what we see from our guests Can we address this or do we need to evolve?
0: I imagine your guests have changed over the years as well. 17 years ago, anyone going to a wellness retreat would have been um, very much at the forefront of this industry. They were probably, you know... Woke to it all way back then. <laughs> yes. uh, you know, you're finding people that come now really don't quite know what they need yes. or what they want, yes. but they know they want some help. Um, yes. And to guide them through that must yes. must be a wonderful experience for any practitioner anywhere in the world.
1: Yes, yes. We, I have to say, the the guests that we have uh, are so special to us. I mean, they are. If you're in hospitality, you love people. That's just the way it is, and, and we do but they're from so many different parts of the world. They're from so many different backgrounds. They're from so many different socioeconomic levels that the diversity is one of the things that makes us all tick because it's vibrant, it's alive. Um, Our guests really come looking for something that sometimes they're not clear about themselves. For example... um, I would get in the beginning, and it happens even now, someone who says, I want to do a fitness program or I want to do a detox. But when you start having the conversation uh, with them about their history, et cetera, you find out that they recently lost someone or that they're in the middle of, you know, their, their fiancé and often it's women have um, split up. And so actually there's something deeper driving the need to get fit or driving the need to detox. And... Sometimes the program they've chosen is well-suited for them, and sometimes, because every guest goes through this wellness consultation with a professional, sometimes we need to make changes. They're on the wrong program for what's really going on. And the exploration of that together with each guest, is, it, it's a fascinating journey because then it's a co-creation. The guest with our practitioner together come up with the right program that will address what each guest is looking for. Something interesting I wanted to ad- address is From the beginning, we've always had, of course, an extraordinary number of women of all age groups um, seeking wellness. I think women are more uh, educated on on the subject, perhaps also in Australia, but I think globally. But at Kamalaya, we do have 40% of our visitors are men. And that has been something that a lot of the women guests comment on, like, wow, there's so many men here. And, And it's a fabulous ecosystem when you get... People of all ages, I mean, we really have people from their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, the whole spectrum coming to address their health and having conversations. The the, the cross-pollination of ideas and energies is fantastic. I, I would say that's one of our strengths as well.
0: Building that community must be yes. extraordinary too. Yes, Take yes. Home. yes,
1: yes. I'm learning that,
0: that wellness has so much to do with being honest with yourself, Um, Whether it's looking within, whether it's connecting back with your body, something that we've obviously lost over time, um, just with the world, the way it is and the busyness that everyone experiences. Would you say that that is the first thing that we all need? to do is, is find that connection. As you said, people don't really know what they want. They just know they want something. Yeah. But how do you? How do we sort of look within and, and find what it is that we actually need to, to either fix or to work on or that's going to open that gate for us to continue to be well throughout our life? Yes.
1: That is also an excellent question because to say that, you know, to be honest with ourselves, what does that really mean? Um, I think that first we have to recognize that looking after ourselves is a really positive thing. It's not because we have a problem or a weakness or some you know, disability within ourselves that we look to take care of ourselves. We don't have to wait till there's a deep problem. Looking after ourselves on a regular basis and, and really making that a priority is a strength. And it ensures that we will be really engaged and proactive in our life rather than letting things break. It's like a car. You don't wait until the engine burns up before you change the oil. Ideally, <laughs> there's a little marker, you have that little light and you do it preventatively. So I'm a really strong advocate for being proactive about our self-care. And, um, and that means, you know, deciding this is a good thing. I don't have to wait till something's broken to fix it. Then I think uh, sort of touching in and saying, well, let's be really honest what are my habits? Most of us know what we need to be doing and aren't doing or things we're doing we shouldn't be doing. Most of us do. So really, that's what I call honesty. You know, if I'm drinking too much caffeine, be honest about it. We know that caffeine can have benefits, but too much is not good for us. Or if we're going to bed too late, we're using, you know, our technology too late into, bed, into sleep time and we're not getting the rest we need. I mean, the research about sleep is There's no denying that it's one of the top pillars for health, for longevity, for aging well. I mean, youthful aging, you know. So um, I think that honesty is critical. Um, And then recognizing that going to someone who's an expert, whether it's in your city, whether it's in a retreat, going to the experts is also a sign of strength. It's being proactive and saying, I'm not the expert in this. I'm the expert on me in some ways. But getting someone who becomes my partner to help me really learn about this is an incredible skill and strength that we should reach into rather than be afraid of. It's, oh, it means um, I'm not capable or I'm weak. To reach out for help when we don't have a problem and we're ahead of it is the best approach, I think.
0: It's just become clear to me that, as adults, we still need parenting, don't we? Yes. We still yes. really look to someone to yes. whether you whether that's an educator, a teacher, a mentor. Yes. Uh, we often think when we when we either grow up or become parents that we should know everything to do. But it is yes. wonderful to be able to look to someone or something for those learnings, which I guess yes. is where wellness retreats really come into their own. So you can immerse yourself fully in that yes. and then leave recharged and armed, uh, to be able to take that on yourself,
1: like finishing school almost. Yes. Yes. And the immersiveness is really important, Shelley, that you've brought up sometimes because we are all of us creatures of habit for better, for worse, that's the reality. And we create routines and habits and it's important to re- have a routine and habits in order to be more efficient and not constantly have to make making decisions every day again and again and again, which is exhausting. So we streamline, streamline our life develop habits and routines. The problem is then to change within that same environment takes a lot more effort and a lot more energy. So removing yourself from your day-to-day routines and habits that have maybe been for 10 years, maybe for 20 or 40 years, depending on where you are in your life, um, removing yourself into a retreat, a wellness retreat, gives you the advantage that it's easy then to implement a new routine new habits, and then skillfully and very judiciously bring some of those new habits back, the high-impact ones. You cannot bring it all back at once. The changing habits and behaviors takes time and perseverance, and it's usually a whole month, but you choose one habit at a time and you bring it back. So um, I think it's invaluable. I don't think there's anything that's as effective as immersing yourself in a new environment and then bringing some of it back home.
0: Just a quick You Must Try It pause. Our sister platform has taken off and we're grateful for all the love. Thank you very, very much. Women across Australia are shopping our must-try products. Dr. Anna Kabeca's products, the Three Warriors Faced Tan Mist and the LeMav BB Cream have been hot items from day one. If you haven't checked us out already, please do. We'd love to support your ageing world journey with the products that we've discovered. Youmusttry.com is where you need to go now back to the show i can only imagine that that retreats themselves have evolved so much even in the last 17 years the technology that has come with aging well is extraordinary. You know, things yes. that used to be so cutting edge are now completely mainstream I'm yes. lucky enough to have an infrared sauna in my backyard yes. here. Yes. Um, something that, you know, is unheard of really and mm-hmm. yet that is probably one of the very small advances that's happening in longevity and ageing well or has yes. happened in the last 20 years.
1: Yes, yes. Far Infrared Sauna is fantastic, and we've had them from the beginning. We've had them because they're an integral part of several of our programs, and I, I love Far Infrared Sauna. Um, you know, I think I will talk about some of the technologies we have at Kamalaya, but I do want to say that the balance between technology and the human touch, and I don't mean literally like a massage. I mean the care, the warm heartedness, the contact with another human being for um, the experience in wellness, I think striking the right balance between the two is an art and every retreat will do that in their own unique way. And at Kamalaya, we have a very strong emphasis on the care, the warm-heartedness, heartedness We have a fabulous team having said, and that's the foundation and the heartbeat of Kamalaya is our team of hosts. They're exceptional from all over the world. Having said that, we of course embrace technology. As I mentioned, the farm for Edsona has been part of what we have offered from the beginning Um, We also use an assessment where um, we're able to determine the vitality at a cellular level, um, and it's part of every consultation, the the arrival wellness consultation. And that lets us know a a benchmark of um, hydration, of the cell health, so lipid levels, metabolism, and that gives us an orientation for also some of the program recommendations or or Mm treatments. We've recently... Um, launched, are launching our longevity house <clears throat> where we are offering um, treatments that were actually, we had already received government approval 18 years ago to offer these, but it's taken a long time because of many things that weren't available in Thailand but now are, where we offer IVs, uh, IV infusions for vitamins and minerals and different cocktails. But at Kamalaya, we have a whole team dedicated to personalizing those depending on your goals, your medical history, and your wellness program. So each one is personalized. And we also have ozone IVs, which is German technology, phenomenal, hyperbaric chambers, and soon to arrive our uh, cryotherapy as well. So we very much embrace especially these longevity, um, anti-aging technologies that enhance and really augment the benefits of our wellness programs that that we've had from the beginning.
0: So let, let's talk about that, for instance. Yeah. So ozone, uh, how does that affect our longevity? How does that assist us?
1: Well, when you are hyperoxygenating the body, um, you're basically revving up the metabolism. You're you're addressing what we all need, which is the circulation and the microcirculation throughout the body. And ozone has the benefit that it, because it's going right into the, the into your IV, your own blood back after it's. Um, oxygenated with the ozone is that you are, it's able to kill viruses and bacteria that might be lingering in the system. And um, it's not just at all about COVID or the common cold. Many cancers um, find their root in viruses that linger in the body for a long time, as well as other diseases like Lyme's disease is very difficult to treat. So we may not know that we're carrying an overload of sometimes it's um, virus, bacteria, it could be also um, like mold, fungus type of infections. So we we use it to ensure that, you know, we don't have any little microbiomes hanging out, but we also use it and primarily for the hyperoxygenation that happens. And oxygen is the fuel for life. You feel it. I, I, I've had it for many, many years, uh, particularly pre and post travel. And I I can feel it. I mean, my, my my lips get buzzy and I can feel the tingling sensation and I feel very energized. Because on these long flights that I take, you know, there's less oxygen in the planes. This is even before COVID. So after COVID, of course, I feel, whoa, I'm glad I've been doing this for a while.
0: <laughs> I think we would have all felt that at some time, isn't it? It's either just before a storm or just yes. after an electrical storm, yes. there is that ozone and you can Absol- smell it yes. in the air. Yes. And I, it doesn't matter how, you know, how far removed you are from yourself, but that primal instinct when all the hairs stand up on end. To me, that, yes. that is that ozone feeling. So you can get that in your body, in a chamber, all the time.
1: That's right. And and, and it's a treatment, And at least for myself, I really feel it right away. And again, it's German technology that they were sort of uh, on the lead with the IVs with ozone. And um, it's, uh, you know, if you think about it, the aging process, our circulation declines mm-hmm. slowly, but it's declining. And this is a clear antidote because you're oxygenating into all the little microcapillary systems and bringing the oxygen to bring the cells alive, uh, increase the metabolism so the whole body functions more optimally. The traditional use for the hyperbaric chamber is for um, burn victims, for uh, diabetic patients who lose the microcirculation, you know, to the feet, to the eyes, to the kidneys. So by doing, uh, offering oxygen in under pressure, you are basically oxygenating at an even deeper level, like the plasma, and to those areas really where the circulation is very poor. And there are many parts in our body where that's the case. So it's just uh, enhancing the benefits. Ozone is fantastic, and it kills microbes as well. The hyperbaric chamber just drives the oxygen to those minuscule areas because of the pressurized um, atmosphere. And it's a brilliant treatment, so we now have that on offer. It's also used... I believe there was a research... Um, where over a period of ninety days, they did research and did daily uh, hyperbaric chambers for sixty of those ninety days. Now that's a lot. That's more than you know um, every day. I mean, not every other day. It's more than every. Yes, other day. we're moving in. We're never.
0: We're never leaving.
1: Oh, exactly. <laughs> and what? And they? And then people were able with uh, aging markers to reverse them ten years.
0: No. I mean, that is something out of Star Wars. Anyone anyway of our generation would know that Han Solo went into the cryogenic hyperbaric chamber that's, and that's, that's where right. he stayed. Is that really, is this sci-fi? Is this where we're at?
1: Yeah, it feels like it. But I want to stress something. While these technologies are very thrilling and exciting and very effective, our philosophy at Kamalaya, and definitely my life philosophy is you have to get the foundation right. Mm -hmm. All the basics, sleep, healthy nutrition, fitness, uh, stress management, because we don't want to eliminate stress, we want to work with stress and then make sure we're not tipping the scales, and I'll tell you a story about that later. Mm -hmm. But we have to get all those pillars in the right order. And our social life, isolation is not good for us. We are social creatures. Friendships, partnerships, whatever that is for us, but um, having a, a healthy social life, all of these pillars need to also be in place we cannot substitute these technologies for you know not eating well not getting enough sleep etc cetera, etc cetera. so i really want to stress that that the emphasis in my opinion still has to be first on the pillars and more heavily on the pillars and then these when you then add them to a good foundation oh my gosh it's incredible the types of results you can get when we started kamalaya i believe i was 40 and I was doing research, and in Bangkok, there was a new facility that was doing very cutting-edge testing, aging testing, markers, etc., and it was a French uh, uh, anti-aging clinic with a Thai hospital, one of the best hospitals. So I went to this area, and I talked to the medical director, brilliant woman from uh, Harvard Medical School and Harvard Business School master's degree, so I was privileged to work with her. And we did a whole analysis for me, and I yeah. tested 28 years old biologically, and she was <gasps> wow. flabbergasted. Yeah. She said, I, I have nothing to teach you. <laughs> Whatever you're doing, you are doing an amazing job, and I, of course, I, I was trained in all of this from very young, and I was really happy. I'm 14 younger than my real age, and, um, you know, I was nudging my husband and teasing him, and um, two years later, startup Two people who are not from this background, who are not from hospitality background, we are not from a business background. We are passionate and hardworking, determined and have a vision. It was a lot of work. And startups Mm -hmm. anywhere are very stressful. Two years later, I tested myself again. And in two years, high stress, I aged 12 years. Oh, no. So I was 44 and I tested 42. In my biological, mm. it's just two, two years, years younger. It should have. Other people might have it should gone. Should have made yeah, you feel good. good yes, but but you're done undone all of that amazing work. I, over I had time. the marker. I had the baseline marker, and you know, I had aged twelve years in two years. I couldn't be happy about that. So, and in fact, I had an adrenal burnout. Mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't have total like. I, I, it, it really hurt my health,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: and I had to actually take a six months off, and just try to repair. My adrenals, because my sleep was absolutely disturbed, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So when we say stress is one of those pillars for our longevity and for aging, really well, we can age youthfully. That is possible, but we have to take these things seriously. Mm-hmm. Stress can disturb our sleep, and if our sleep goes, we're in for a very bumpy ride, and that's what happened to me. And so, um, but it is reversible. In the same way that I had had a very healthy foundation and therefore was very youthful, we can turn these things around. And the sooner, the better. So while we can add these wonderful technologies and they will help us tremendously on our journey, we cannot substitute the basic pillars Mm -hmm. of really healthy living.
0: That must have been a terrible time for you, knowing what you know, knowing how to look after yourself, but really wanting to establish something incredible to help everybody else. Uh, That must have been just tearing at you to know exactly what you needed to do, but without the time to do it, because if you didn't do it, then you wouldn't have what you have now. Uh, A real sacrifice that you made, Karina, with your
1: own health. I I was, first of all, I had never, ever hit a wall. So that was a big learning curve. I was, again, 42, and I had never hit a wall, never And so I didn't know what my limits were. And uh, that happens to people. Some people, it happens to climbing Mount Everest and they don't make it back. And sometimes it's a marathon and you don't finish the race. And in my case, it was in, in this startup period. It was devastating. I also had the warning signs, but I didn't realize because my sleep was really off and I'm not a coffee drinker, but I was using coffee because I couldn't sleep. I would wake up at two in the morning because my cortisol levels were through the roof. And I didn't, even when the doctor who did that test said to me, you need to stop. Your biochemistry is a train going 300 miles an hour without breaks." because my serotonin was really low. Mm-hmm. And that's why I was also uh, drinking the coffee. was. I wasn't getting sleep. I still had to get the things done. So I was in a bad cycle. And uh, it still took me, I think, four months to stop it's still like wow. I couldn't stop, right? Because I felt wow. responsible. I felt I didn't want to leave my husband with the responsibility to take a break. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what I learned from that is we all have breaking points and mm-hmm. don't don't try to find it. <laughs> Just don't. I wish someone had said to me, don't go there, pull back before you break. And the other thing is that I, I needed to have been asking for help much sooner. I mean, basically the turning point for me was that I almost was in a head-on collision Because of this sleep deprivation, I was driving someone to the airport, I was coming back from the airport here on Koh Samui, and I went into a little dreamlet, and so I didn't see a car that had stopped on the road, and so I slammed on the brakes when I finally saw it, and I spun into the opposite lane. And I ended up with my car in the opposite lane, pointing in the wrong direction. Luckily, there was not traffic. But that's when I said to my husband, "I have to stop. If I don't stop, I'm going. I'm risking my life now. I have to really stop." So I don't think that's why it's embarrassing because I'm really clearly the example is I know how to take care of myself, and I had and I had the (laughs) markers for it. And then I I got caught up in the passion. So passion is a wonderful thing, Mm -hmm. but it can also take us beyond our limits. And so that balance, you know, in Buddhism, they speak of the middle path. It's so important to find that middle path, you know, where we're active and engaged. And then we pull back and rest and restore and sleep. and And it's an ebb and flow. It's a rhythm. And we have to find that rhythm. And I had lost my rhythm.
0: But yeah. it is a wonderful story to share because so many people that must come to you um, probably think, oh, she's she's always looked this amazing, she's always lived this healthy, uh, balanced life, but you know how people feel yes. and you know that what burnout feels like. Absolutely. And Wouldn't it be great if people did turn up to retreats already on the front foot so that yes. they can have that amazing healing experience while they're there rather yes. than starting sort of behind the eight ball? So Absolutely. how do we, what, what, what do you wish women and men knew before they came to you so that they can sort of prepare themselves, uh, to make the most out of a retreat
1: opportunity? Yeah. I think staying in touch with oneself enough that, you know, uh, I'm, my sleep is going. So for me, one, that's one of the markers, the minute mm-hmm. my sleep starts getting disturbed, I know I have to pull back because I know very quickly where that's going to go. So I, I, I have to, I have to thin out my schedule. I have to uh, reduce what I'm doing and take more time off to rebalance. Uh-huh. So being in touch with yourself so you know when your moods are off, that's an early marker, you know, you're more irritable, mm-hmm. you're more snappy. All of us know that. When we feel good, we just aren't that way. By nature, we're not grumpy. <laughs> and I notice that if my sleep goes and I get more grumpy and irritable. And then my husband's like, what's wrong? And then I go, okay, I hear that. Um, so being more attuned to ourselves, Um, We might, our appetite might get dysregulated, our moods definitely get dysregulated, sleep is a big marker. And um, when we start catching every cold that comes through the office, you know, when you're healthy and Mm -hmm. and robust, you're resilient with your immune system. I have a sister that's in the corporate world, and I know when she's stressed because pretty much every month she catches whatever's going around, and I know, and I tell tell her, you know, that's what goes, in her, it's her immune system, in me, it's my sleep. Notice and let people help Mm -hmm. you. Ask your partner, ask your close friends, ask your family. I think, Karina, it must be part
0: of our genetic makeup that women will always put themselves second or third or fourth. Um, We find it very, very difficult to put ourselves first in our life. Would that be right? Would you agree with that?
1: 100%. 100%. It's what I see when I travel to talk to um, women and men all over the world uh, women bring it up to me all over the world. I think part of it is, is, is biological. I mean, we can't deny biology that we're the ones that carry, uh, you know, uh, a future baby in our bodies. And so, um, I think we can say we're wired that way. Um, and, and, and of course, some of it is cultural too, uh, different cultures more so than others. um, But I really would like to say to women all over who may be listening, all over the world who might be listening, um, that self-care is, it's not a luxury and it's not being selfish. It's literally a priority priority. If you think about how on the airplane they talk to all the passengers and they say, please, if the mask drops, you have to put it on yourself first and then turn around and help someone else. And I always think they're talking to the mothers on the plane (laughs) because um, it's exactly that. If if as women we are not taking care of ourselves, we will inevitably crash and burn if we're giving it all away and not taking time Mm -hmm. to refuel and and unfortunately that's the pattern that I see from women coming from all over the world
0: we're seeing this wonderful crossover now and I'm hoping that this is happening throughout the world and I wouldn't know I'm sure you can speak to this more than more than me this lovely melding together of
1: Mm.
0: modern western medicine traditional medicines um, holistic practices coming together with you know everybody working together. That's obviously something that's happening a lot faster now, I hope, than it was um, back when you were studying. As you said, you had these two roads that you could have taken. One was down the traditional Chinese medicine path. One was a more generic uh, modern medicine path. What really, where did the two divide and why is there such a gap between traditional Chinese medicine or holistic medicine and modern medicine? When and where did that happen? Mm
1: -hmm. I can't speak to exactly when it happened, but I can describe the difference, and it's a very significant difference. In traditional Chinese medicine, and I believe also in Ayurvedic medicine and naturopathic medicine and homeopathic medicine, there's a very strong emphasis on prevention and lifestyle as part of what we do, and it's a philosophy, a whole ethos and culture around health. It isn't something that is mechanistic, which means if you're sick, then we fix it, and then otherwise we're not really addressing that. Um, So, in traditional Chinese medicine, they used to, many years ago, long, long time ago, um, pay the doctor of the village for visits to keep the family healthy. Mm -hmm. It was like insurance that you paid for them to advise you according to the seasons, according to the constitution according to the terrain, meaning the geography and weather, um, what you needed to do in different seasons to stay healthy. And you followed that. And when you fell ill, you stopped payment to the doctor. That was the tradition many, many, many years ago.
0: Oh, that's so the things. Exactly.
1: Exactly. You're paying someone to advise you to keep you healthy. Mm-hmm. And that's the philosophy underpinning these so-called, so-called alternative, let's call them traditional medical models, throughout the world right? And um, and of course, also they have a response to when you do get sick. Obviously, naturopathy does, homeopathy does, so does Chinese medicine. But the emphasis is on be proactive, be engaged, take care before the problem arises, because it's a lot easier to treat in the early stages than when it settles into the body. So for example, a common cold, be very proactive. Don't just say it's just a cold, which is what we do, and plow through it and keep working and keep going out to dinners and parties and it's like nothing. I just have a cold. Well, that would be just the antithesis to good behavior and responsible behavior in Chinese medicine, where you want to make sure it's out. Take care. Don't let it settle into your lungs and become bronchitis, potentially pneumonia. Get it out of the system while it's still just a cold. So the emphasis is very different. It's preventive. And at the same time... um, If you, you know, the statistics show that between 95 and 96% of chronic degenerative diseases are lifestyle related, right? Uh, When we say I have diabetes because um, of my genes, let's say diabetes type 2, let me be specific, um, that's not actually completely accurate. Because again, 95, 96% of diseases that are genetically determined, chronic degenerative diseases, the genes that we all carry for certain diseases are turned on and can be turned back off through lifestyle and through specific practices to our genetic makeup. So I think we have to get our head around that, that even if we have a predisposition genetically to certain diseases, we can live a lifestyle that never turns those genes on. And wouldn't that be wonderful, right? Now, there are some absolutely. diseases, but it's very few, very small percentages I just mentioned, that are absolutely, if you have those genes, hemophilia is one of them, you will, you, it will express itself. Uh, hair loss, <laughs> male pattern baldness. Um, there are certain ones that are just absolute, they're going to express. But the vast majority, we can affect whether or not those genetic tendencies, uh, inheritance uh, expresses itself or not. I think that's so empowering. To me, that's empowering.
0: So for someone with so much training, so much knowledge, so much experience,
1: what does Karina Stewart do to look after herself? I go to bed between 9 and 9.30 and everybody's aghast. But in traditional Chinese medicine, that is one of the key components of aging well, of rejuvenating, of supporting the endocrine system, our hormonal system, is bed to go to bed early. And get a solid night's sleep. It doesn't matter if you wake up at five. Great. That's when we get this big surge in testosterone. And you know, you see, sorry, excuse me, but you know, you say little boys, men get erections at that time if they're healthy, because there's this surge. And we ride the wave of testosterone in our bodies, waking up and becoming active. When we go to bed late, later, we miss that early morning cascade if we aren't up early. But the other thing is we are stimulating cortisol to be released in the body and it makes it harder to fall asleep the later we're up. So Mm -hmm. move the clock back. That's one of my favorite things and I love it to get to bed early. The other thing I like, I've, I've gone off caffeine except in very rare circumstances, meaning jet lag. When I'm traveling so much, I use it a tiny bit. I never drank coffee, but I have a passion. I mean, really crazy passion for oolong teas and green teas and that's for a long time. Because of Chinese medicine, I have an affinity for that. And there are health benefits, but... I find that having caffeine in my system affects my sleep. So the less of it I drink, the more stable my energy is. In fact, when I quit it, I quit it less than a year ago, um, my energy levels went up. Why? Because Mm -hmm. I'm not draining my adrenal glands. So that's number two. And I really recommend it for people who have anxiety, who don't sleep well. Just reduce it. Get it out of your life. The next thing is take time that is empty time, uh, non-doing time. Uh, meditative time, or deep breathing time. And it, again, you don't have to carve out half an hour, which for some people is like, where am I going to fit that in and get my eight hours of sleep and, and, and. It doesn't have to be like that. It can be really short. It can be five minutes here, five minutes here, twice a day, beginning your day, ending your day, and then at five minutes before lunch. And then, And you just take those little moments to train yourself to slow it down, to drop the cortisol levels, to take those 10 deep breaths, which really has an impact on cortisol blood levels, and pause. I like to do it with breathing because it's not easy necessarily to quickly get into a meditative state, but breath is always accessible, right, to just slow down. And people will find me sitting in the Alchemy Tea Lounge, looking out on the islands, and just literally settling taking myself back breath. down. Mm-hmm. The GM noticed it right away, or new GM, he said, what are you doing? That was like, I watched you, and it's like so palpable. And I said, yeah, I'm taking my little pause. So I think that's really, really important. Um, mm-hmm. Make time, uh, whether it's on the weekend, whether it's during the week, don't lose touch with what's most important. I think keeping the connections. So for me, it's having that cup of tea, even if it's not uh, caffeinated, with someone on a daily basis. I have the luxury that I can do it on a daily basis, but do it on a weekly basis. Have that important phone call. Stay connected. Women especially need women friends. We've done there's research on this. What happens to women when they're with their friends, with another group of women, is they release more oxytocin and oxytocin is the bonding hormone, it's the feel good hormone, it's the relaxed hormone, it's the hormone breastfeeding moms secrete a lot of and just as an extra benefit, it intensifies orgasm. So hang out with your female friends. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it doesn't all have to be, you know, go work out and climb the mountain. If it's that does it for you, great.
0: Oh, if having a cup of tea with your mates does the same as climbing a mountain. I know which
1: exactly. I'm <laughs> Exactly. And then, of course, fit in some fitness. I smile. That's the hardest one for me to right now um, balance, given everything. Mm-hmm. So I got a tip from someone, and I'm, I'm going to try to implement it, which is basically just do it like I'm doing the five minutes breathing. Do that with walking, stretching, just moving. Like, build it in, take five minutes, and then I can increase it. Because my, my tendency is I need an hour, I want an hour, and I'm not finding that hour while I'm traveling through different time zones. So the fitness is important because it it energizes us, it it balances us emotionally, it reduces stress. I mean, we all know the benefits of exercise, and I think that's, for some people, that's a really easy one. For some reason, that's my weak spot. Eating well, all the others, I can manage, but for some reason, that's the one that slides off my uh, calendar the easiest when I travel. Um, And I would say, you know, with the food, don't try to be perfect just keep improving your choices. Just don't try to be perfect. You know, being perfect for women, it's like we try to be perfect. And it's like, why? What's driving that? It's really okay. 80% good is good enough. Good enough. It's okay. But then really plan it. What's the day of the week that you feel, ah, this is the hardest day for me to really eat well. Choose that day as your, that's my sweet spot day. That's the day that I just don't want to think about it. If I want to eat a pizza, I'm going to eat a pizza.
0: And is there, in in Chinese medicine, is there that sort of miracle supplement or um, that one ingredient that we could all be having that was just going to make us that little bit healthier, that little bit brighter? Is there,
1: I guess, the the magic herb? There's a tea for women during their um, lunar cycles every month, and it's to drink ginger cinnamon tea. With and if you need to sweeten it, you can add uh, brown sugar just a little bit, you know uh, to to it's very good for women and their and their cycle. so the days of the few days before the days of and a few days after mm-hmm. um, very, very healing because the ginger is an anti-inflammatory, and the cinnamon really increases the blood and energy flow in the body, so it's a fantastic tea. The cinnamon tea. And uh, alone is very good for men and women. And you can add goji berries to it or you can add a date to it. And a fabulous tea that's also a favorite, the herb turmeric, we know is very popular in Ayurveda, but it's equally popular and beneficial in Chinese medicine because it has beneficial effects, not just as an anti-inflammatory, but for the liver qi circulation. And the liver is the organ that suffers a lot of the impact of our stress when we're stressed. Mm -hmm. It's the liver. So having a turmeric ginger tea with, I mean, a touch of honey, um, or if you have a cough or a throat... um, sore throat or irritation, you can add a little bit of lemon and honey into the turmeric and the ginger tea. And uh, it's a fantastic, these are teas that are food grade herbs. So it's using food as medicine and very safe for all people. And one nice little tip for women before your cycle, um, don't eat or drink cold things. In the Western culture, we like ice drinks. We like ice cream. We like these cold things for the week before, during, and about five days afterwards, don't take anything icy cold because it will increase cramping. It will have an impact and it has an impact on fertility in Chinese medicine. So those are little tips. That is an incredible tip. Thank you. Yes, yes, it will really, it's beneficial not to. And a warm pack on your low abdomen during that time also really eases, not just the, 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 the cramping, just the flow. So everything is more easeful.
0: Karina, it's just delightful talking to you. You have this wonderful sort of calming effect, which I'm sure all of your guests at Kamalaya feel the moment they meet you. Um, If anyone would like to come and visit, I'm sure you have retreats running year-round. There is beginner courses right through to your experienced uh, wellness retreat goers, something for everybody, and obviously in just a gorgeous location in the world. We can't thank you enough for your time today, and hopefully some of us uh, will get to meet you in person one day
1: well i would love to meet you in person really truly Shelley, and any of our listeners um, when you come uh, when you find the time remember that kamalai is for everybody and that the first step is the most important step you won't regret it thank you so much for having me here today shelly it's been an honor
0: Well, today's conversation has me wanting to learn more about retreats. I know I covered a lot of them during my great outdoors travelling days, but never in the real, true essence of being a guest, more as a reporter. I think it's also time my perception of a holiday broadens a little bit from laying by the pool and sipping cocktails and eating whatever I want. A retreat offers both relaxation, but also growth and connection and investment in our health. That certainly got me thinking. I resonated with much of what Karina mentioned, connecting with your body and habits, being proactive about our health. Some of the new technologies she also mentioned, like ozone or cellular testing, do sound really exciting, but it is our foundations of sleep, nutrition, stress management, and our social life that matter the most. Much to digest from today's conversation, including that Buddhism saying that she mentioned, it's so important to find the middle path our ebb and flow, our rhythm, and that is individual just to you. A reminder that self-care is not a luxury, it is a priority. Let's make it our collective philosophy. I'm off to make a ginger and cinnamon tea with a heat pack, just like she suggested. It sounds delightful. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Shelley Craft, and this is The Off Season, a time for us to listen to people's stories. If you've enjoyed today's conversation, please share it with someone that you love, and I will talk to you all next week. See you soon.